1: Is you're able for the reading of the gospel. Our gospel lesson this morning comes from the book of John, chapter one, verses one through 18. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him not one thing came into being. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. It is God, the only Son, who is close to the Father's heart, who has made him known. This is the word of God for the people of God.
0: Thanks Thanks be to to God. Let us go to God in prayer. Holy God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of each one of our hearts be holy and pleasing to you. That through your word for us this day, we would grow closer to you, grow closer to know more about you through Jesus Christ, your son. It's in his name we pray. Amen. All right, so the book of John is probably like my favorite gospel. Why? I think it begins right here in this first chapter, just the poetic nature that the gospel writer uses to tell the story about Jesus. To present Jesus not just as a human being, to present Jesus not just as the Messiah, but to present Jesus as both fully human and fully divine. Holding in balance both of these natures. And so this gospel becomes an important understanding and actually becomes a very crucial point of early Christian theology as we begin to develop this idea of who Jesus truly was. And as the biblical canon begins to form, as, that is, as the books of Scripture begin to make their place and make their marks in the communities, the gospel of John continued to stand out, to help others to know and identify who Jesus was, or to become a, began to become a regular entry of understanding. We see many early theologians hearkening to what the gospel of John says, to identify who Jesus truly is for each and every one of us. Because this idea of Jesus being both fully human and fully divine invites us to consider and becomes important because in that nature, we look to God both as one of us, that is having taken on this physical form of humanity and is holding on to this divine spirit of creation. And as we look and gain insight from this gospel of John, we look and we see the way in which Jesus is presented to us as both human and as divine to help us to see ourselves in the image of God and to help us to see the image of God. And we see that right in the purpose of this book. If you flip towards the end of the gospel of John, you'll see that there is a bit of of scripture there, John 20, verses 30 and and 31, where we read in there, and it literally says the purpose of the book of John. And it says, now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples that are not written in this book. So the scripture writers are like, look, I didn't include some things in this book, but here's why. But these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the son of God, and that through believing, you may have life in his name. And so we are intended from this gospel to believe that Jesus was an actual human being who walked this earth, lived, walked, breathed, probably broke his arm a couple of times. I'm just trying to empathize, you know. And Jesus himself is the Messiah, the son of God, the one who holds the key to life itself, the manner in which we receive life in his name. Right, and this language is all around the Gospel of John. Right, John three sixteen: For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but shall have eternal life. This nature and doctrine of salvation, of justification, has its roots right here in this Gospel. Now I know, I know. I'm sorry. I threw a lot of big words, big theological words. I am a recovering seminarian, so I, I apologize for that. But what this means is that Jesus was meant to be seen and understood as this physical embodiment of the very nature and being of God. Right? He wants to, The gospel writer wants to lay forth this timeline of why Jesus is Lord of all and why Jesus becomes not only an important historical figure, I mean, not only an important divine figure, but an important historical figure. And we see the purpose behind this book becoming to show Jesus as God himself and as human against many of the claims of the Roman Empire asserted by Caesar. And so it begins by placing Jesus through God at the center of our faith. And probably one of the most beautiful forms of poetry in Scripture, I mean a lot of Scripture is very beautiful poetry if you really dive into it, we learn about these signs of Jesus, right? These signs that we're gonna look at over the course. We're gonna look at this first half of John and we're gonna see what is known as the book of signs. And it is these signs that Jesus offers in the midst of community. Y'all may know them better as miracles, but John calls them signs because John wants to note that it is through these that we see, right? When you're looking and you see a stop sign, you're supposed to stop. I mean, I'm not, you know, in the same way, when we look and we see Jesus, we know who we are supposed to be. And we begin with John 1 to place ourselves, to place Jesus in the perspective of his relationship with God and the relationship with us. But here's the funny thing. Well, okay, funny haha, not, but funny interesting, okay? Because, you know, recovering seminarian, warped sense of reality, we, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Um, but here's the interesting thing about this prologue in John. Jesus, the name Jesus, is not actually written, mentioned, until verse 17. And yet, the presence of Jesus, the presence of the Christ, is present in verse 1. Right, we hear in this hearkening back to Genesis 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Right? There are two natures being spoken to here. Right? The word was with God, so the word was with God, and the word was God. Right? Tim Mackey of the Bible Project talks about it saying that words are both distinct from us, so these words that I say are distinct from me. These words are not me. These are words that I am saying. And yet the words, these words that I'm saying are in the embodiment of our own mind and will. So these words that I am saying are the embodiment of who I am. So I speak, I preach the word of God that God has given to me. I speak when I speak out in the world, they are, they are my words, but they are actually just the embodiment of who I am. Have I confused anybody yet? But when we look at this, when we see that the word was with God and the word was God, we see that the word was distinct from God. And then the word was God. So we have this distinction separate from God, that Jesus was a human being. And we have that Jesus is also divine and part of God. And so we dive into this understanding of the word, because if we can say, okay, the word was with God, that is the word is distinct and its own nature, and the word was God, that is saying a part of who God is, part of the body and will of God, right? Well, I'll, I'll preach a sermon on the Trinity sometime and really confuse everybody. And so we get caught on this word, word, right? Oftentimes we will attribute the word of God to scripture, But no, the Word of God, as we look at it here, is this part of God that is both distinct and God Himself. Right? We see the Greek word used here in John is this word logos, logos. You might remember it from any of the ologies that we get, it's a sense of understanding, of knowledge. Of words. And it's revealed over the course of this opening discourse that the word that the gospel writer is referring to is God in the embodiment of Jesus, right? Because we read in there that not only was the word with God, not only was the was the word God, but then we read later on that the word became flesh and dwelled among us. Right. Sharon Bettsworth says, I like this understanding of Christ as Logos. The Christ is not just the word from God, but an expansion of God's own being. And we see that by the time, by the end of the prologue, this will be fleshed out as Christ being the beloved child of God. The word, that is this expression of God's own being, takes on flesh and becomes one of us. And why is this important? Because when we think about the word, We think about God speaking to us. We live by way of Christ, and it is God through Jesus and the Holy Spirit that continues to speak to us beyond the pages of Scripture. Right, It is the revelation of God through Jesus that speaks to us. And it's important for us to make this distinction as we dive into this book. Because as we look at these different signs, these different miracles that Jesus offers throughout the text, each one of them presents for us an understanding of who Jesus is and essentially why Jesus matters for us, why we continue to listen and understand who Jesus is. And it's through this relationship and understanding of what becomes offered through Jesus Christ that we form this intentional relationship with God. That the word is continually revealed through us. Right? The word of God does not stop with the last page of scripture. But the word of God continues to speak to us each and every day. Jesus, the word of God, tells us, shows us, and is what God is like. And Jesus becomes revelatory in his own right. And this is something that we believe deep in our doctrine, Right? We say that Wesley, John Wesley, the, the, um, the, sort of the leader of the Methodist movement in England says, Wesley believed the living core of the Christian faith was revealed through scripture, illumined by tradition, vivified through personal experience, and confirmed by reason. And in that, we have what we like to call today the Wesleyan quadrilateral. And this is why Jesus is the word becomes so important because in each one of those areas, Jesus is speaking to us, right? We are introduced to the Christ through scripture. Right? We read a scripture like John 1.1 and we hear that the word was with God and the word was God and the word was there at the beginning of the creation the word became flesh and we are introduced to a sense and nature of who God is. Right. But it's not enough for us to just read by read the Bible. Right. It cannot be our only source of spiritual growth, because in that we also have to be part of Christian community. We have to have our own experiences. We have to understand where this church has come from. We have to have our own deductive reasoning as we continue to think about things. And as we look and understand who Jesus is in the context of Scripture, we see this in very intentional engagement here in the Gospel of John with the word through Jesus Christ. Right. How is God speaking to this community of believers that Jesus is witnessing to? And therefore, how can God speak to us today? The gospel writer wants his readers to understand the implications it has on the faith that reverberates through our contemporary lives. How are we meeting Christ? And I talked about that within this gospel, then there is this evidence to back up this claim that 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 John offers here at the beginning. Right. John is not just going to write this beautiful prologue, these first 18 verses of the first chapter, which I almost made a mistake. And we almost got to listen to the entire 51 verse first chapter. We were concerned about how long you all might be standing up. So we decided to shorten it. Now, I just need the first 18 verses. Right, the gospel writer offers signs, and the gospel tells of the reactions to these signs because this is the way that Jesus was speaking through them. This is the way that God was speaking to these communities, that when Jesus goes and he changes the water to wine at the wedding of Cana, when he heals the leper, and even all the way to when he raises Lazarus from the dead. Each one of these stories, these signs, show us a bit about who Jesus is. But when we look at those, we must be grounded that Jesus is the word. Jesus is the way that God speaks to creation. Because Jesus is this physical embodiment of who God truly is. Jesus, who is fully human and fully divine, makes God, makes known the invisible God. Right, I loved that. I loved that that quote when I saw it this week. Jesus, who is fully human and fully divine, makes known the invisible God. Right? When we come to Jesus, when we look to Jesus for this understanding of life, of faith, of salvation, we see the way in which God is working through each and every one of us. Right, where are we meeting Jesus? What is the way and nature that Jesus has revealed to each and every one of us tell us about God? Right, we're going to look at seven miracles to understand this nature of Christ. Right, and in that, we look at the way that John writes a gospel. We look at the way that John collects these stories. Each one of the gospels offering their own different interpretation But again, John, who seemingly is separate from the rest of the Gospels, has his own source material, has his own narrative story. John is not telling an A to B point of Jesus' ministry. John is telling a story that involves Jesus coming into existence, being a part of creation. Jesus coming into flesh. Jesus performing these signs and miracles. Jesus being with his disciples in the final days. And then Jesus dying on the cross and being resurrected. Right? It's not a chronological story. John orders these signs in ways that help to teach us about who Christ is. Right? Over powers of kingdoms, of commonwealths, of time, Jesus stands as the word. Right? The one true nature of God. And as we dive into this nature of Christ, what do we learn about the nature of God? How can we grow in our faith as we continue to understand our personal relationship and understanding of God's presence in our lives?